by Playfair Capital. Rethink the way you live and work. Hello and welcome to The Chess Pit, the podcast in which three guys talk about chess occasionally. I'm John McKenzie and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Phil Makepeace. Hello. And my other good friend, Chris Russell. Hello. How the hell are we doing, chaps? We said that we'd feed back this week on how the schools went this week, because we started on Monday. And I don't know about you, Chris, but I thought it went okay. It wasn't an absolute fire, was it? I mean, to be honest, we did struggle with the first job that we were given, which was to build a visor from scratch (laughs) from the bag, which needed like you had to tape a kind of bit of foam to it somehow and then plop it on your head where it sort of your foam was resting up and then it slotted into it's extremely complicated. It's, It's like a half Rambo. So you've got this <laughs> this sort of bit on your forehead and it doesn't reach all the way around because that's not what a visor does. But I felt like a semi-rambo, so just a ram or a bow. <laughs> not sure which. Ram, technically, because half of an M is an N, right? Nice. Yeah, or an unbo, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the thing I was most impressed with was just how chill the kids were about everything. Yeah, they seemed as if it was all just very normal to them. Maybe they've already become acclimatised to it over the last couple of weeks and they weren't fussed at all how old are these kids uh we had year one to year five so maybe what does that make them like six at the youngest something like that five at the youngest and there'll be some one of those three might have just about turned 10 but yeah somewhere between five and ten. yeah we're just coming up to like a year of coronavirus aren't we so like that's a huge (laughs) chunk of their lives i guess it, it wasn't really until march that they became aware of it but it's still a large chunk of their lives it's like one twelfth of their life um, has been in pandemic circumstances so yeah interesting it's gonna be like those kids who you kind of think you know they grew up during the war and it was just normal to them for five years um let's hope it's not that long yeah hopefully we don't get evacuees and things like that yeah oh, that'd be awful wouldn't it yeah i've already had evacuees because my nephew and niece came to stay a few well maybe a month ago so but we sent them back it was fine we got better <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we should begin by talking about our makeover perhaps hmm so um, if you head over to our Twitter feed, you may have noticed that we've had a uh, a little bit of a makeover from uh, Frankie, at Made by Frankie on Twitter. Um, guys, how, how are you feeling about our, our new look? I'm a little bit afraid, to be honest. <clears throat> it's so professional that it feels like we need to kind of up our game to match it. And that hmm. worries me a lot. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think that the, the, the header in particular with where um, Frankie has done, done us in, one as a queen, one as a... What is it? No, one is a bishop, one is a knight, one is a king. Mm. And you've claimed the king in the middle. <laughs> of course. I think that Chris's hairy arms make him the slightly darker person on the right. Nice. <laughs> he's the bishop. So I can be the knight. I'm I'm happy with being being a knight. So Chris, are you are you particularly religious? Yeah, no, I'll take that. I like the fact that we're all stood arms crossed as well. Maybe we should record in that pose for the rest of this. Actually, I don't want to do that media. I'm <laughs> looking at John <laughs> smugly folding his arms there. <laughs> I take that suggestion back. Right. Well, the the dying tones of Hugh Breakin still ringing in our ears. Um, it brings us, as always, to the first part of our show in which Hugh Breakin, the lead singer of Spy Law, who sing our theme tune, uh, gives us a view. And this week's view from Hugh is Mad Max Fury Road it's a really 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 good film either of you guys seen it 
I have not. I mean, I've watched the scenes in Rick and Morty where they attempt something similar. Uh, that's about as close as I get. What about you guys? I haven't watched it, no, but a lot of people tell me that I should. Um, I, was, I was reading something the other day that, that um, was mentioning it. Um, I, I did a podcast the other day on um, my favourite novel, which is a post-apocalyptic um, a novel called Ridley Walker, and um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I read something in regards to that which said, you should read Mad Max Fury Road for an example of post-apocalyptic uh, literature in the modern day, so maybe I'll go and have a watch of that. Yeah, it's... Um... It's it's really really fun, but also important. Just from a, it's basically Tom Hardy being Tom Hardy, but then Charlie Theron just being the actual hero of the film. Which it's it's sort of it's kind of like Terminator in that respect. That you know everyone loves Arnie, but I've forgotten the name of the actress who plays Sarah Connors, but she's the real kind of the focus of the story. So it's similar in that regard. Mm. Um, and there's just some really good things like Nick Holt. So we know, we know Nick Holt oh, from about from a boy. Skins and skins and yeah. other things he plays this kind of uh, this uh, very skeletal heavy metal guy all this it's um it's a really good performance and just generally it's just a really fun romp but it there are some there are some poignant moments shall i say it's um it's very as Hugh says it is very 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 good that's a shame that we're not disagreeing with hugh's view this week um, well, I'm sure that if you now choose get find somewhere to watch it over the next week, you can then come back to us and disagree with us next week. All right, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll give you um I'll give you my review of Mad Max Fury Road next week. You can depend on it. Excellent. Phil has a quiz. Phil does have a quiz. But first, as is tradition, we have a bit of feedback. So, um Black Cab Chess on Twitter, which I'm assuming I don't know, maybe they're a taxi driver who plays chess or maybe they only play chess in a black cab. Maybe it's like a chess train, but in a black cab. Comes back to us with uh, a suggestion for a name, an alternative name for the game, which is Zek. So double S-E-C-H, which is just chess backwards. But I feel like you have to know what chess is initially for that to make any sense. Anyway, Zek or Zek or something. Um, John, you appear to have been doing a lot of carpentry lately. (laughs) Because <laughs> people have commented on our Twitter about this. Talk to us. I um yeah. Well, my dad's about to retire, um, and as such, he's getting me do two loads of jobs so that the garden is a nicer place for him to live in when he does. So I've been helping them helping them out in the garden. So I um yeah, my dad built a planter, and then I just sort of did the fascia on the planter, and we've been building patios. I dug I dug out about four four tons of soil over the weekend, so I'm feeling quite mighty at the moment. <laughs> yeah, you're looking really really ripped. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's true necessarily, but um yeah. I've I've got a, a sort of rustic a rustic bulk to me. It, it, it has to be said. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm in a Thomas Hardy novel or something. Um, but unfortunately, no no heroines around to to really take attraction to me. So there we are. I guess the best of one world. Matt Fletcher has said that he'd like wood to be the next major theme of our podcast. So yeah, I'm not sure how that would fit in with the the chess thing. Maybe we could do a review of the various woods used in chess boards. Yeah, I think I think job John, you need to do this now. You need to craft Andy Dufresne style a <laughs> a proper whittle us some chess pieces. Yeah, I could do that. I reckon. Yeah. Okay. Right. I need to get a lathe. I think actually got one of our neighbours has got a lathe. Maybe I can learn how to use it, and then I'll make some. You'd rattle off a pawn in no time, I reckon, with a lathe. 
I reckon you could. I reckon you could do an entire set in the time it takes you to watch Mad Max Fury Road. So you got about Maybe. two and a half hours. Well, if I could do it in cheese, that would probably be true. I know that that Benji sent us a picture of a cheese chess set, which which looked great. Um, yeah. In the current climate, that might be a bit melty, but yeah. It's actually quite quite tepid up here today, so I reckon the cheese, the structure of the cheese, would probably hold up quite well. <laughs> We've also had feedback. From Chris's old landlord, which yes. sounds weird, but it's true. Mr. Jerry Humphreys of Bristol Chess fame. Right honourable Jerry Humphreys. Yeah. He said that the first time he heard about the Bishop to H6, you know, the pre-moving in correspondence, was in 1978. Um, and, yeah, the, the thing you'd do was where you'd, you'd simultaneously um, play lots of games with somebody. So if you had a thing where you went on move to anything bishop g7 and then the your wag opponent at the other end has gone bishop h6 first then you're in big trouble so you'd, you'd um to save postage you'd have lots of games going on at the same time and you might lose them all in one fell swoop um jerry also says that he assumes that chess and cheese which has had a, a remarkable response everyone <laughs> everyone is playing chess and cheese chess or cheese online and um, he says was it inspired by sporkle the uh, quiz website Jerry, I, I take all of my inspiration from myself. Thank you very much. These quizzes are original <laughs> works of art, like our new artwork. Anyway, Phil does have a quiz. And in following on from the success of chess or cheese, I have another one which will delight and frustrate everyone. Um, this week, we're going to play British Correspondence Champion or World War II Fighter Race. <laughs> nice. So the same thing, um, except this week there's going to be five each because that is how football penalty shootouts work. And we've learned from our mistakes last week. Yeah. So there is no both option this week. I couldn't find any where there were both a British correspondence chess champion and a World War Two fighter pilot. So we will start with John. John, are you ready? Yes. Are you whittling away there? I'm just cleaning something out of my nails, sorry. <laughs> I'm a working man now, Philip. I'm a working man. You never know when you're going to get dirt under your nails, you know. The rustic <laughs> bulk doesn't come easy. Right, John. Peter Cat. Oh, uh, he's a chess player. British correspondence champion. Absolutely. 1-0 yeah. to John. Get wrecked, Chris. Chris. Anthony Barnsley. Mm. I'm chess as well. Another chess player. Good. What constitutes a, a World War Two fighter hero? I found a list of people with just any military victories, like where they shot planes down and stuff. <laughs> okay. It's all a bit grim, but so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least they're achieving posterity in their own unique way, I suppose, in, in this celebration of history that is the Chess Pit podcast. Absolutely. Okay. John. Arthur Blake. Definitely a fighter pilot. John goes 2-1 up. Chris? Ronald Hay. Oh, tough on this. We go chess. He's a fighter pilot. Oh. John goes 2-1 up. Oh, dear. Okay, John. Michael Rook. That's a bit of a curveball, isn't it? Hmm. I think I can hear a fighter pilot going overhead at the moment. That's not good news, given you're in South London. <laughs> I'm going to go fighter pilot. Michael Rook was a fighter pilot. John goes 3-1 ahead. Chris, Jimmy King. Chess. Another fighter pilot, oh, I'm dear. afraid. 
Okay. John, if you get this, you've won. Mm. William Rhodes Morehouse. <laughs> I'm going to go cheese. <laughs> um, I think he is a, he's a correspondence chess player. He was a fighter pilot. John misses his chance to take it, but he's still ahead, even if Chris gets this. Chris. Jack Wollstoneholm. Chess. He was indeed. Chris makes it 3-2. John, again, match point. Ian Muirhead. Chess. Fighter pilot. All right, Chris, this is to tie it, and we're going to have no sudden death again, because I've only done 10. (laughs) Very fair. Reginald Bonham. Pilot. He was a chess player around the water. John wins 3-2. Get wrecked. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, well done. Mm. Right, before we moved on, I was just going to mention quickly, in the sort of feedback sense, that um, there's been a lot of people talking about variant chess. Uh, Hmm. I shared a a tweet with you about Anish Giri, an Anish Giri tweet, it wasn't about him, um, talking about variant chess. Um, it seems as though our our thing has been stolen by the wider chess world. I feel as though we we started a trend which is completely uncausally related to us. We were just ahead of the curve. So there we go. <laughs> we must be doing something right. Yeah, because we never did that one where pawns. I mean, this one was where pawns could go backwards. We didn't ever do that, but we did something where pawns would start on the back row and then jump over pieces. Yeah, we never played that one. I don't think. Yeah, we we should. Um... I guess it requires us to actually have a physical board in front of us because well, we actually, have to break Lee chess, wouldn't we? Well, this we is something we could do just, we could just do record correspondence, it. Yeah. Couldn't we? Ah, yeah, and then talk it through. We could play a, a game and then recount the game in true correspondence or fighter pilot style. <laughs> I'll be the fighter pilot, so when I lose, I've got no excuse. I mean, I, I quite liked the idea when I was designing that quiz of, of fighter pilots playing chess, you know, while they're waiting for their um, missions, sort mm. of playing chess in their spare time. And I wondered whether any British Correspondence Champions shot down German planes in their spare time, just as a, <laughs> as a little thing. Yeah. Right, on the running order, I've got Chess 9LX and Kasparov pre-moving, yeah, neither so of which means anything to me. So over to well, you, it, Phil. It's another online competition that happened last week, which is why you have no idea what it is. I mean... I when I first saw that it was called Chess Nine LX, I wasn't sure whether it was a Honda or just another of Elon Musk's children. But if you were, uh, if you were to rename Chess, this is not what you would rename it as. <laughs> um, I did actually watch a bit of this. Actually, I, I tell a lie. I just didn't know this is what it was called. But um, I caught not. a little bit of, of of Nakamura was playing someone, and I caught a bit of that game. And he was getting really mad because there was like noise in the background or something. It was very odd. I've never seen it written stylized as Chess Nine LX. Have you, Chris? I mean, it's just Chess Nine Sixty. But... No. I assume it's some kind of marketing ploy, but I don't really understand what they're going for because it just seems daft to me to mix Roman numerals with regular digits. Yeah. Oh, is that how it is that what it's supposed to be? Yeah, so it's they're going for Chess 960. Ah, right. Um, but I don't know why they would rebrand a game that's already a rebranding because it was Fisher Random, wasn't it? Yeah. Initially. But is Chess 960 copyrighted or branded? I don't think it is, is it? Oh, that's a good question, but I don't see why it would Why wouldn't you then call it Chess X, uh, IX, LX in that case? Because that's not a Roman numeral. It would have to be. So 960 <laughs> would be like what? It would be oh, yeah. CM, CMLX. <laughs> that's quite good, CMLX. Chess CMLX. Cumulux. 
<laughs> Wait, no, C is 500, right? No, C is 100. 100. D is oh, 500. Okay. So 900 is CN. 900 is 1,000 minus 100. Yeah. Oh, because like century and centurion. Yeah, I should have known that. 960 is still like two figures, isn't it? Nine and 60. So you're calling it chess 960, which makes you sound like a grandpa talking about Twitter or something. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, in this case, you are talking about chess and Roman numerals, which probably makes you sound even older than a than a grandpa. So it puts you back into the sort of Roman era, doesn't it? But anyway, I digress. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say about Kasparov? Yes, yeah, so it follows on from our discussion last week on pre-moving and pre-moving in correspondence where he accidentally pre-moved because he wasn't really familiar with the platform and how things work on Yeah, so I think the story was he was trying to play Queen C2 but misclicked Queen D3 and in trying to fix his error accidentally pre-moved Queen C2 on the next move and then lost a piece Yeah, uh, against Caruana and ruined what was maybe... A, it looked a reasonable position. I don't know whether he was up or not. Um, but yes... He was, Kasparov is back. Yeah, he and finished eighth out of ten. So but he sure would have been higher if he'd not lost that game. True, but he would have only he would still not have come in the top half. No, he would have got um, four and a half out of. Out he of, did uh, quite well at the beginning, didn't he? As far as I'm aware, like he was. Yeah, he beat Ferruja in the first. He was game. up amongst it in the first few games and then dropped away. Game state, Phil. You never know. If he'd have won that first game, he would have had the confidence to then go on and beat the other players. That's how it works. Yeah, but he was. He just had that little niggling doubt at the edge of his mind being like, I don't know what I'm doing here. This computer business is really quite confusing. And that was it. That's what lost it for him. But yeah, it was another another online he, tournament. He should hire you as his sports psychologist. His <laughs> <laughs> IT specialist. <laughs> yeah, it was just another online tournament where Kasparov's inclusion was the only real story. It was yeah. just one where Carlson won it. And whilst simultaneously watching the Liverpool game as well. Yeah. Did you see this? So he's got what presumably is a screen next to him to one side. So he's playing his game against Nakamura and he's constantly just looking over in the opposite direction. And he was watching uh, his fantasy captain uh, score a hat trick instead against Leeds. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. That's all right. It's all right, Chris. I'm over it now. It's fine. It's, it's okay. Good. Leeds will still go down. Don't worry. Because <laughs> well, last season, Norwich did the same thing. Norwich. Lost four one at Anfield on the first weekend, but we were four 0 down at half time in that. But game. you all, well, that's not is that true? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure I watched it because we we had a good second half, but we were terrible in the first half. It's because you played Grant Hanley. Oh yeah, Grant Hanley scored an own goal in whatever it was, <clears throat> fifth or sixth minute, something like that. Grant Hanley should be an automatic own goal as far as I'm concerned. But you just start one nil down if you have Grant <laughs> Hanley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you can just immediately sub him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the same way that certain players should desert, should start on an automatic yellow card if you play them. Including Carlson's friend, Mr. Ramos. Oh, yeah. he, he's just a walking He doesn't need to, anyway. he's exactly. going to pick, pick one up anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so what, it's another, another chess tournament with the same players playing each other and eventually Magnus Carlson wins. Yep. Did he tie it this time though? Yeah, he tied with Nakamura, but still. Yeah. I, th- I looked over his tournament wins this season, or tournament re- performances this season. I think he came second in one, and then everything else he's won, which is pretty remarkable, isn't it? I know, maybe there's a semi-final somewhere as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but other than that, like pretty much picked up everything, won about $500,000 of prize money. Um, so yeah, all going well for, for Carlson. It's all coming up. Carlson. Lily Hammer. I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea where he's from. Um, right 
did you did you want to talk any more about the um for nine L chess nine LX? No, format? it's just it's just a bizarre thing. I don't understand the branding, but is it a regular tournament, a nine sixty tournament? So there is a nine sixty World Championship, isn't there? But I think that's not affiliated to this at all. It's some sort of separate system they've got because Wesley So won that perhaps last year sometime. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't think that's got anything to do with this one. I think this was just a one-off. So again, they're just trying to think of innovative ways of doing things. But when actually they should just be listening to our suggestions. <laughs> yeah, and play on pass team. on Davignon. <laughs> play variants or have team make the whole thing team based and uh, yeah, make it a little bit more interesting that way. Right, he wants to talk about chess superstitions. So I think that chess players do suffer from, or from my experience, they suffer from all these little quirks, particularly the lucky pen, I think is the one that would uh, come to mind immediately of uh, having to either play the same same pen throughout a duration of a tournament or indeed through a whole season or forever until you lose it. And then it losing your mojo afterwards are you a lucky pen man phil certainly not okay um i think i mean i i definitely like to have a nice pen but that's not like a a particular pen like because i i don't know it's because i'm a cricket scorer yeah my life is basically spent trying to make something look nice when you're doing it so that it's for future generations and with yeah i take kind of equal care of my score sheets i think where i just want them to i'm not like you're doing it like calligraphically but just, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a nice kind of thin ballpoint pen that isn't going to look like absolute trash. <laughs> um, so it's not really a lucky pen as such, just kind of, but just taking taking care. And it, it, also, I think it's just quite nice. It's quite, it's quite, you know, rather than just having a crayon. I've seen like grown men using a crayon to write their moves down. <laughs> so while I was in Bristol, I was coming to a lot of my matches direct from having... Uh, spent the day as a teacher. Is this your excuse for using crayons as a? No, no. <laughs> I was using I was using red pens because I'd been marking work and I had red pens and I seemed to get coincide with a nice uptick in results. So I did start using red pens out of choice at that point um, to record. But no, not just sort of a. I write. I do crosswords in red pen because I don't know. It just offsets it from the from the grid a bit. But yeah, that, that superstitions for me. I always my knights have to be facing left. Oh, Carlson does that as well, doesn't he? He has yeah. both of his knights facing the same direction. Yeah. You don't have them facing forward? No. It's easy to pick them up, isn't it, if they're facing sideways, I guess. Yeah. But it's also just, I don't know, it's just a, a thing for me that, I guess it's, I'm not saying I have problems identifying the pieces, but I think it's, I don't know, it's just a thing where it just looks nicer. I'm quite happy for mm. um, my opponents to do what they want. That's not, that's not what it is. It's not like a complete OCD about knights. It's just, yeah, just have them facing left. Um, every time I um every time I edit a podcast with me on which is conversational, I'll put a slight bit of stereo on everyone so that they're slightly differentiated, and I always put myself slightly left just as a political point. <laughs> 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 I don't even know why, but I've started doing that. And so yeah, if you listen to a podcast with me on and other people on, the odds are I'll be I'll be ten percent stereoed to the left. The fun fact for you. That's outrageous. That's not a chess superstition. That's not a chess superstition, though. So, well, when I was editing last week, Chris was only coming out of my right ear, and that was completely accidental. I just sort of shifted the entire thing to the right, but that's just because Chris is a massive fascist. 
Um, <laughs> Little known fact. Because well, the thing is, the knight is the only piece that isn't symmetrical. So it's isn't it's it? just yeah. I mean, the it bishop, is if you look front on. I mean, a bishop has got like a a non-symmetrical hole, but yeah. What's not symmetrical about this? No, but as in, it's not got symmetry the other way. Three sixty symmetry. Yeah. Neither does a bishop technically, because it has a big chunk taken out of it. Yeah, but it, the actual shape is completely symmetrical. And the from the top. king's cross on top of his head, you could look side on. Yeah, and then you wouldn't see a cross; you'd see king's it is. cross. Now, there's a, a thing we've never really plumbed the depth of on this podcast. Well, anyway. how many platforms it has and stuff like that. Well, yeah, we've we've done a lot of underground quizzes, but you've never done a accoutrements on chess pieces. Uh, and the underground quiz, maybe because <laughs> King's Cross is the only one really that, um, that that exists. But little known fact: a bishop's hat is sometimes called a Swiss cottage. <laughs> <laughs> there used to be there used, Paddington used to be called Bishop's Road, so maybe that that bit in the middle yeah. could be called a road. No. <laughs> yeah, Knight's then, Bridge, um, the Bridge of the Knight's Nose. Yeah, Knight's there Bridge. We go. Um, Plenty of them. What else? Elephant and Castle. Yeah. The, no. the, the, don't don't trigger Phil on castles <laughs> and rooks again. The rook's a bit of a lad. Lad rook grove. Uh, it's <laughs> getting oh dear, getting tenuous. Um, the Queen's Way. Just any time it moves. Yeah, that's um, not really on the underground, though, is it? That's a Queen's Way is on the underground. Is it? Yeah, it's a station between Notting Hill Gate. I and thought Queen's Central Way was like was like the the orbital. Uh, is that what it's called. You're thinking of King's Way between Hoban and Aldwych, I think. What's the one that goes right past Grenfell called? Latimer Road. No, 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 not on the tube. Oh, um, the West the, the Road. Westway. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Queen Queensway is near Bayswater. It's on the Central Line. Anyway, uh, superstitions. Um, <laughs> do I have any other superstitions? Um, For a while, as a junior, I blundered a lot on Move Thirteen, and I wondered Ooh. if this was this was a thing. <laughs> I there was a ser- sequence of games. I think perhaps in just one tournament, and then it got under my skin, and I started thinking about it. So I got quite nervous on Move Thirteen in my games for a while. But he never blundered on Move 13 again, though. Yeah, that might be true. I don't know. Or maybe that caused me to blunder even more frequently on that move that I psyched myself out. Yeah, I have a thing where I have to stand up to shake someone's hand at the beginning of a game. I think that's just it's just like a respectful thing, but I'm not sure whether that's a superstition. That's the most ridiculous thing I've heard you say. <laughs> Do you bow as well? No, it's just, like, it's just, a, it's just a nice thing, because... Not as in, not as in, like you've been sitting down for ages. Then I get up, as in when they arrive at the board. In the first instance, if I'm already there, you're not even there. allowed to shake hands anymore. So you can't even do this anymore. You're gonna, or unless you do it to whatever we do now, touch elbows. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, a, it's just a thing. I think it's nice to not just sit there, just sort of lazing back, and then go shake hands. Yeah, sure. Welcome your opponent into the, the valley of unhappiness they're about to encounter. But that's more just your general take on manners, isn't it, rather than a superstition? Yeah. Unless, do you feel like you're going to do worse in your game if you don't rise to shake someone's hand before? Well, it's in, I think that you're setting yourself up for a fall if you behave like a dick. <laughs> you know, um, I, I honestly, I, I think if, um, if you're nice to someone, you offer them a drink if you're playing in a league game in a pub or, you know, whatever, or if they're... Mm. If, They've, you're about to get up to go and get some water. Like four NCL is the that's the big one, isn't it? Because they'll have the millions of jugs of water outside, um, and then you see their class 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 is empty. You can just poison them. Yeah, we just say, do you want some as well? I think they're more likely to accept your draw offers later in the game. Mm. 
rather than just, you know, behaving like a very uh, ungentlemanly. And then I think it pays back, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. That, that doesn't really come under superstition. But I'm sure I must have some. It comes under pop psychology, I yeah. think. Yeah. John, do you have any chess superstitions? I don't think I have any superstitions in with respect to chess because I just lose all the time. So what's the point of being superstitious? Um, maybe if I ever get good, I'll start developing superstitions. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there is correlation between me playing and losing. But beyond that, it's not like I think, oh, I played worse or better. It's just sort of like, oh, I lost again because the other person was better at chess than me. So um, I think when you're when you're struck by the the blindingly obvious like that, it's hard to have superstitions. <laughs> What else do I do? This is the thing. I haven't played a proper game for, what, seven months. So it's... A proper game? You know, the proper chess men come out again in force. Yeah. Well, None of this online malarkey. It's I, a proper I, I, game. <laughs> you stand up before you shake hands and you sit down around a real board and you buy them a drink. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, and you don't use crayons. I don't use crayons. My knights have to face left. I stand up to <laughs> greet my opponent. I give them a proper handshake. I try and break one of their fingers. If I haven't broken a finger during before the game, then there's, there's no then point playing. Then you haven't playing. worked hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is this is something I've berated Chris for a lot, and now he does it properly. Chris's handshakes for a while were just sort of slimy and not really there. <laughs> is that fair to say, Chris? I don't know. I've never been on the receiving end of one of my handshakes, so I couldn't tell what the user experience. I mean, it's, is like. a, it's just like a flat palm. You're kind of just wiping it on them. Good grief! Yeah, it's like a, it's like a mason's handshake, unless you've got something to tell us. I feel like I've been affiliated with several groups in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> None of them factually, <laughs> apart from the far right thing. Oh yeah, sure. Nah, don't think there's anything else. But I guess you, you're going to want uh, the listeners to get in touch with their superstitions. Absolutely. Please Tweet, do. email us, text us. We should, we should probably set up a dedicated text line for, for Chris to, to have late night uh, feedback to, because mm. that's something else that Chris likes. <laughs> Premium phone line. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're going to get sued at the end of this episode. <laughs> right, well, speaking of Chris... And speaking of getting sued, we um, arrive at the the high point of this podcast. Yeah, but you can't libel the dead. That's where we, that's why it's so good. <laughs> we arrive as we always do. The rest of this podcast merely being a preamble and postamble to this moment of of the podcast, in which Chris Russell, our own beloved Chris Russell, um, he of the far right tendencies and slimy handshakes. Dedicate some of his time during the week to find out some stories about chess history. And so we arrive without further ado at Chris history. So this week, I'm going to focus on chess players Chris Stakes. What do we think about that? <laughs> I also had a backup one, if I got zero laughs there, of Chris Calculations. Uh, miscalculations, yeah, no? Yeah. Okay, we'll stick I guess with anything with, with miss in it, you could... Um, like Chris Haps as well would work. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. Um, Chris Haps is rather Chris good. Chris Demeanors. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. I like that one. So this week's Chris Demeanors. Uh, the uh, I was looking for the worst performance in any chess event in history, and I overlooked John, who's just raised his hand there as I was talking. 
Um, but the, I came up with three possible contenders, and I want you guys to choose which you think was the uh, worst performance in chess history. Is this another so, quiz? Well, I don't know. More that you, you get to pick out of these three events that I'm going to describe to you which one you think was the most dire. Uh, so Colonel Charles Moreau. Fighter pilot. <laughs> he did not. Uh, he played in the 1903 Monte Carlo tournament. Actually, a cheese, mate. Oh, the joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> this might explain his results if he was actually a cheese, because he played a 14-player double round robin, and he scored zero wins, zero draws, 26 losses, and finished seven and a half points behind the player in 13th. <laughs> so, but to, with more defeats in a single tournament was Nicholas McLeod, who managed to lose 31 games in the same tournament. So in the 6th American Chess Congress back in 1889, it feels like 100 plus years ago they were going for some serious events. Because <laughs> this one he played, he scored 6 wins, 1 draw, and 31 defeats in a, what does that make, 38. So presumably a 20-player double round robin, I think, but I didn't actually double check mm. that. Uh, but he managed 31 defeats in the same event. Was it all on the same day, but they were not allowed to sleep or something? <laughs> that might explain his performance. <laughs> yeah. He played the whole thing in one go. Uh, the wildcard entry is from Samish of opening theory and name fame. Friedrich Samish. Samish, Samish yeah. <laughs> and he lost he, a lot. <laughs> he did. In, in 1969, at the age of 73... He played in a memorial tournament for Anderson and then followed by another tournament in Sweden. And across these two tournaments, 28 games, he lost all 28 of them on time. He lost 15 <laughs> games in the first tournament and another 13 in the second, all 28 on time. But it's not a one-off performance there. He managed to repeat the feat in his next tournament. So of the three, who do you think is Chess's biggest Chris Demina. Um, yeah, as, as I said, it, you can't libel the dead, and um, I think you're being a bit cowardly and not letting these people have a right to reply. That's <laughs> true. Just deciding that they, they've had the worst performance ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, why did he get invited to the second tournament? Or they, did they, <laughs> they just not know that he'd already lost every single game on time in this other one? Was he already dead? <laughs> did he not make question. any moves? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just a cadaver sat at the board, and they're like, "This is this is weird. This guy keeps not making moves." Well, <laughs> on to the second tournament. <laughs> Someone just he wheels play, him out. He plays twenty-eight games before anyone appreciates. <laughs> he just looked really thoughtful in death <laughs> before anyone checks his pulse. <laughs> this reminds me of I used to work in the British Library, and there was an article written in like the Guardian or Observer magazine or something about the people who sort of hang out there and the, there's a the line was something like at 11am on a Monday morning there is a generally somnolent feel to the place some of the people in there may already be dead <laughs> <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's true like you get the it's just a um, basically 11am on a Monday morning the, the reading rooms opened at a 10 and so the people there then would be the real regs and then the students would wake up around one and then start coming in and so you get a bit more boisterous in the afternoon and yeah same on that's did he have good positions in these games or is he as we said is he literally just made zero moves i mean that would require a lot more research than i actually did so this is based on having seen zero of these 28 games uh, but we could potentially try and find out. What was so, the tournament 1969, called? 1969, it was a memorial tournament for Anderson. Yeah. 
Well, I'm presuming it is Adolf Anderson, but it does sound like a memorial tournament for um, Olf Anderson, who is famous for drawing lots. And if he's losing every game, then it's a memorial to his drawing capacity in some respects, isn't it? Here we go. Okay, I found him. <laughs> this is just great. <laughs> he's playing actual games, is he? Let's look at round seven against Larson. So we ran out of time on move 32, eventually. And I reckon the comments are going to be amazing. But let's have a look at the actual position. He's doing fine. He's doing fine in the final position. He's a he's a he's not actually not he's not a pawn up, but he's he's doing absolutely fine. So he just had thirteen of these. <laughs> where he just And then another fifteen in the next tournament. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's that's awful. Oh poor guy. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, because Larson won that tournament. And here he's playing against Larson with black. Yeah. And he's absolutely fine. Yeah. Oh dear. He's got a Grishakitis. Except Grishak does very well when he gets down to the yeah. last few seconds. Donna wrote about the tournament. He says, um, in almost all of those games, Samish was doing all right until he simply stopped moving <laughs> and eventually <laughs> lost on time. <laughs> uh, oh dear. Maybe it's like a really a more advanced version of that chess robot that they invented in India. And it just stopped oh, working the, um, right at the end. The Turk. Yeah. He's just like an, a sort of physical automaton. Well, yeah. There's someone working him who just decided. Someone to working give up. him and it just stopped working. Like one of the one of the the ligaments for moving his hands broke. Is it some like... kind of version of the chess yips where he's yeah. like <laughs> psyching like it. himself out and doesn't make a move? Sounds yeah, just like flags. It. Maybe. Oh, it's, it's got to be him. But I feel bad about it being him because. Yeah. I mean, the other guys at least lost because they were rubbish. Whereas this guy lost because he has an inability to move after like a certain amount of time. I found his I found his round round one game as well. It's just it's just a middle game where nothing's happening and he's just lost on move twenty one. When so twenty so one? Yeah, so that so, seems dead early on. Yeah, so you'd have had in those days. I think you probably had two and a half hours to make the first forty moves and then you'd adjourn. <laughs> so he's taken two and a half hours to make twenty one moves. No, he didn't. He ran out of time before he made his twenty first move. So it's twenty moves in two and a half hours. So that's eight moves an hour. Well, no wonder he was in a good position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in a good position if I took that long over 20 moves. Oh, oh dear. I'm just seeing if there's one with even fewer moves. <laughs> oh, this is, this is a really sad one. They're all really sad, Phil. Okay, it can't, it can't have been move 40 because he made move 40 in this one. Unless he resigned. Might have been an adjournment on move 40 if it finished. Nah, because Black didn't make their 40th move. Oh. Maybe, maybe this one is... Um, Maybe this one is already lost. But yeah, it's it's just very sad. Oh well. There we go. I've lowered the tone, I'm mm. afraid. Oh, my poor Samish. Christomenus. But he's but he's well known now for all his opening lines and they, they mm. seem to have stood the test of time. In the... Even though they're all a bit Samish. <laughs> right, we need to move on. Time is flying and we still have plenty of things to do. Um, firstly, Phil, a plea for feedback. Yeah, in addition to your superstitions, I just I wanted to know um, because we had a thing where David Howell um, did a tweet last week where he f- spotted someone on his plane playing on chess.com and playing quite well, allegedly. So I wanted to flip this and ask whether you've seen chess players in the wild. Like, have you seen <laughs> have you seen John Ludwig Hammer at Tesco or whatever? Have you seen a super GM in the pub? Or playing football with his kids in the park. Or any kind of just, yeah, chess player in a very normal environment in the wild. 
there must be some stories on this. Conquest frequents a coffee shop in West Hampstead that I occasionally go to. Okay. So I've seen him in there doing um, various newspaper puzzles. I presume the cryptic crossword. Do you mean Conquest or Spielman? I do mean Spielman, you're quite yeah, right. Yeah, because I've seen him in the same coffee shop. <laughs> I've seen him at the bus stop as well, in, in uh, on the Finchley Road, presumably on his way to various chess-based shenanigans. Yeah, because Conquest lives in Spain, so that would have been weird. Yeah, no, that would be a difficult spot in West Hampstead. No, you're quite right. Yes. It's quite a long commute, isn't it, Spain to West Hampstead? <laughs> I don't know much about chess, but I do know uh, a little bit about geography. Um, I don't think I would recognise the majority of chess players if I walked into them in the street. I reckon there's maybe like 20 chess players in the world that I would recognise. And even then, I used to work in West Hampstead, though, and I used to see a lot of famous people there. Seems to be quite a famous person place, doesn't it? Yeah, we keep walking past Ricky Gervais outside one of our chess oh, schools. That's true. And he just, it's its quite funny because he, he's always in sort of attire that... Well, that's good. Is <laughs> that is designed to not make it obvious who he is. So he's sort of got the like black and like shades and a hat. But equally, the shades and the hat really draws attention to the fact yeah. that he's trying to hide it, and therefore it's very obvious that it's Ricky Gervais. I saw Avram Grant a lot in West Hampstead, and um, Emma Thompson, and uh, Ellie Simmons as well, the swimmer. Yeah. Don't know why. Don't know why she was there. Maybe she lives there. I see. I see Robert Webb in West Hampstead a bit as well. Robert Webb lives lives around there. It's a very nice area, though, isn't it? So yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Right. Time for my silly question, but it's going to take a little bit of a different form today because we decided to do something on the rule of six, which is uh, currently a thing. Um, right. We were, the way we were going to do this was, uh, was to talk about rules of six in chess and potential rules of six and what they could look like and what they might mean. Um, but I've got, I've got a slightly different idea with this one. Uh, but I'll start with you two guys um, with with whatever you came up for your uh, rules of six in chess. So for those people who don't know, the rule of six is the government's rule that you can't hang out with more than six people uh, and otherwise the police can slap a £100 fine on you. Um, but Chris, what was your rule of uh, six? I'm going to come up with the rule of six cheap tricks, which is inspired by my one-time schoolmate in Norwich, uh, then my clubmate in Bristol, the esteemed Mr. Henry Duncanson who strongly believed that if you could set up three cheapos in the same game, then your opponent's going to blunder into one. Um, I had very limited success with this. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't uh, very often succeed in getting my opponent to blunder into one of my cheapos. So what I think it needed is to be doubled to the rule of six cheap tricks, which is twice as powerful. So if you can set six traps in the same game, I personally guarantee that your opponent's <laughs> going to make a mistake and fall into them. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, what's a cheap trick? Uh, so some kind of trap that you set for your opponent. So the cheapo like forking is... the rook and the king or something like that. That that was Henry's vision was that if you can create, even if it's they're really basic, if you can make three little traps for your opponent, they'll fall into with the third one. And <laughs> I just didn't find that to be the case at all. <laughs> but so I'm going to update it to the rule of six cheap tricks. Okay. Uh, Phil, what about you? What's your rule of six? I'm afraid mine is is actually possibly a good idea. (laughs) So my rule of six for chess, my suggestion is when there are six pieces or fewer on the board, at that point the game... So when you get down to six pieces, so that's three each or four versus two or whatever. Six versus zero. Yeah. Well, six (laughs) versus zero may not not work so well for what I'm suggesting, but we'll... Five versus one? Um, No kings. You stop... 
the game automatically stops and you get given five minutes to then go away and study this position. Not with any like engine use or anything, just like next door. You just the game stops and then you just get a little bit of time to then play this ending properly or work out what you're gonna do. Because I think the problem with this is this is mainly for games without an increment. So if you're playing a time control that doesn't have an increment, so like a local league time control, it just means that you you get rid of the... You're having a, a very small adjournment to just go and work out what you want to do in this endgame rather than having to blitz it. And I think it would just mean that you get higher quality endgames um, in League Chess maybe, where... I mean, the six pieces or fewer, the definition of that, I wasn't quite sure. I think probably discounting pawns is probably the way to look at it. Otherwise, you're just going to get... It's going to take ages to get to that position. And you've probably already reached a, a decision if you've got, like, four pawns Or maybe it could two. just be one person has six pieces left. Yeah, maybe. Just, well, then, yeah, but then that's quite a lot still. Because that's... Twelve, potentially. Well, well, it could be around that. I think, yeah, six pieces or fewer on the wall. Because you get these table bases anyway. But this, is, yeah. but this isn't what this isn't what it's designed I thought that for. might be where you were going with it. No. Was... Down the table by street. Shouldn't we have a six-minute adjournment rather than five as well? Okay, yeah, we can have six minutes instead. Yeah. Okay. But just something like that where it, it just means that in games where you don't have an increment, increment, uh, incremental time control where you don't have being, time being added to your clock every move, just gives you a little bit more leeway to actually play proper end games. That was mine. Interesting. Nice. The mine wasn't wasn't really to do with chess, but to do with the chess pit pot. Ooh. And for me, the rule of six would be that it, it's actually just a form of bingo. And you have to, before the chess pit podcast starts, you have to pick six things that will come up in that episode. And if you get all six, then you win chess pit pod rule of six bingo. Okay. How could we... How can we practically play this? Do people submit a list of six things before, after we've recorded the episode, but before it gets yeah. aired or something like that? You'd have like a little window that you could submit your six. Because I think there's some easy things that would come up in there. But then I think after you've gone through the like the repeated things, like Tony Miles. Well, he didn't mention meet... him today until then. Well, now well, he's I've got mentioned. So it's fine. And um, yeah, me beating a, a 13-year-old kid. You drew with him. Oh yeah, I drew with him. <laughs> there goes my plan of... Slowly. History revisionism. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Chris <Demeanors. laughs> Um Yeah, after you've got through those two, then where do you go? I mean, cheating, online cheating. Something on cheating is probably pretty good to go by. Um, Magnus Carlsen always winning. But then there's a two, few, two, couple of slots where you have to gamble a little bit more, I feel. Well, you just go with what's topical that week that we're possibly going to talk about. Mm, yeah, I think Le- Leeds United is a fairly safe bet, right? There's probably going to be something Leeds-related in an... So, the problem with this is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy now because everything that we say that we're going to talk about we then talk about by saying we're going to talk about it so i feel as though this this episode is almost un, un, unrepresentative but it would be quite interesting to see what people would if people were to draw up like a bingo sheet of six things that they would expect to hear on a chess pit podcast yeah. what would be on that sheet so that for me is the the chess pit podcast rule of six nice i like it okay in that case what i will do is i'll put a tweet out the tweet is it's been up for a day and a half if you're already listening to this um <laughs> and we can yeah i can ask for submissions for this episode mm. but then they'll do all of the things that we've just done which were no because the they won't have listened we to this to. yet <laughs> but how about can we discount anything that we talked about after we brought up the bingo right i don't understand the main going, body no, of the episode? no one will have heard this by the time i put the tweet out yeah but if they know that we're talking about this topic 
then, then they'll they guess might, all they the might guess all tricks. of the standard things that we might guess and therefore they will get all of them but i mean it doesn't we don't even need to play it with this episode we could just say do a do a sheet for like what you would expect to see um and we can judge them based on which ones we think are the most convincing anyway I mean, you can play it this nice. week anyway and we can see if people yeah. how, how yeah, well we people have done them. yeah yeah so there we go the rule of six explained by by three simple chess enthusiasts <laughs> And that brings us to the end of this podcast. All the good things must come to an end, and, and this podcast is no different, of course. Right, general housekeeping rules, Queens, Queensbury rules, as always. If you like our stuff, go to social media, search for Chess Pit Pod. You will find something. There will be something somewhere. Philip, how is the uh, streaming situation? Well, I was waiting to restart when I got my new desktop, and I've just had a thing from Curry's this morning, refunding me. For a desktop which will now not arrive so mm, i need to lovely. go and buy a new desktop which should arrive soon and then i can restart doing mm. all the streams not many people use desktops nowadays is that an interesting choice by you yeah but like it's just my laptop was just giving up on the mm. um, i mean we've done enough streams you know the problems i've had with with technology i do i yeah. do know those problems so having a, a proper gaming slash streaming computer which will last a while and look sexy in my spare room will uh, definitely fill me with joy and hopefully fill everyone who watches our stuff with joy as they see me in full Sadness. 4K HD or whatever. <laughs> so a few more weeks on the on the streaming, but um, yeah, there will be the podcast going up as always. And I should say as well, thank you to our sponsor, Playfair Capital. Playfair Capital is one of London's leading venture capital funds. But with that, there's nothing more for me to do than to say thank you, Phil. Thank you. And thank you, Chris. Goodbye. And we'll be back next week with more shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs>